This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Ah, good nerve Shabbos. It's wonderful to be back and hope that everyone had a refreshing, rejuvenating and energizing break so that the days and weeks and months ahead can be filled fully, passionately with all the good that we're here in the world to do. We meet in a very special week. This past week, on Tuesday night and Wednesday, was a special date on the Chabad calendar, but in truth, one that impacts, has impacted, and will continue to impact not only world Jewry, but the world at large, And that is that on this day, which actually coincided with the 10th day of Shvat, in 1950, the sixth Chabad Rebbe, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, suddenly passed away. And it was his son-in-law, our Rebbe, who then took on the mantle of leadership. It's 69 years now. He actually only formally accepted the Nesias, the leadership, one year later, on the first Yorzeit, the first anniversary of the passing of his father-in-law, who was also his mentor, his teacher, his Rebbe. He suddenly passed away. But in the weeks leading up to his passing, He had prepared something for publication, and in the weeks leading up to his passing, had given them for publication to his son-in-law, who would then become our Rebbe, to have them printed. And in those days, it took time to print. And the Rebbe related how he kept asking, his father-in-law kept asking him, is it ready and how happy he was when his son-in-law told him on the ninth day of Shvat, the Friday before the 10th of Shvat, before he was destined to pass away, that the mimer, the Hasidic discourse, had come back from the printer. And it was now being distributed for public, for to be studied over Shabbos. And why did he prepare this mimer? Ostensibly it was to commemorate the 36th Yorzite of his beloved grandmother, the Rebetzin Rivka. This was the wonderful Rebbe's um, grandmother who had taught him so much, who had the gift of being a Balas Shmua, remembering and being able to relate things she had heard, never adding, but retaining everything she had heard exactly as it had been transmitted. She was a daughter-in-law of the third Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek. She was the wife of the fourth Rebbe, Rabbi Shmuel. She was the mother of the previous Rebbe's father, Rabbi Sholem Dovber. And she was 
a very important part of his education in that even as a child every day after Cheder, he would go and visit with her and she would tell him stories. And then he began to write everything down in what became this huge diary. For he was the only child of his parents, the fifth Rebbe, Rabbi Shalom Dovber, and his wife, Rebbe Zinsterna Sara. And all the chassidim doted on him and loved to spend time with him and invest what they had heard and seen and what had been transmitted to them. And it was his father who suggested that he keep a diary. Some of that diary has been published. Most has not. But from the parts that he shared, a world is revealed to us. Not only the world of the family and the beautiful way in which his illustrious parents educated him, related to people, and directed their daily lives. But the history, the intimate details of the history of Chabad and the history of Hasidus, Hasidic teaching in general. So he had prepared this Hasidic discourse to be studied on the 36th yard side of his Bobe. And the next morning he passed away. And everybody realized, once they began to study it, that he had actually prepared it as a will, a testament, a message to the people that would now have to carry on his illustrious work. And in that Hasidic discourse, which takes its name after the first passage, the way it begins is from a beautiful passage in Song of Songs, Shir Hashirim. It starts by saying, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. An allusion to the fact that God originally had his entire essence manifest in this world. And with subsequent misbehavior of human beings, it had been banished. And at Sinai, it had temporarily come back, but ultimately in the Mishkan, Man was able to draw it back down to earth. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Hagutner of Shabbos Amashi Lipsker. Delighted to be here with you in the week of the 10th day of Shvat, commemorating the beginning of the leadership, the beginning of the era of leadership of our Rebbe, and the transmission of power as it were, the t- transmission of responsibility from the sixth to the seventh Chabad generation. And it was on that yard site, on the day of passing in 1950 of the previous Rebbe, that the Rebbe actually had prepared, the, f- the sixth Rebbe, an entire document divided into 20 sections a Kabbalistic Hasidic discourse detailing the work of the seventh generation. 
counting from the first Chabad Rebbe and going down through the Rebbes and each one having taken on the mission to heal this world, the mission to work toward and accomplish the revelation of God's light in this world in the era of Mashiach, which was the original purpose of creation, that God's presence dwell openly in this world. And it was a sequence of seven. And so the Medrash explains that when God created Adam and Eve, his presence was revealed. His essence was down here in this world. And with the transgression of eating from the tree of knowledge between good and evil, the presence of God moved back from earth to heaven. But there are seven heavens. And then Cain killed Abel, and it retreated further from heaven one to heaven two. And in the third generation, people began to call objects, attribute power to the messengers of God, like the sun, the moon, the stars, and the Shekhinah, God's essence, God's indwelling, God's presence, retreated further from heaven two to heaven three. And so it was the sin of the generation of the flood of Noah and their absolute disregard for other people, the killing, the stealing, the murdering, the building of the Tower of Babel, and ultimately the revealed aspect of God had retreated to all the way, all the way up couldn't feel God in this world at all. And then the Medrash explains that seven righteous people arose. Abraham began to work to call out to people that there is a God in this world and that he runs the world and actually everything you see is actually a manifestation of God. There's no such thing as just physical. It's a creation of God and he's hidden therein and we have to reveal him. God and world are one thing. And he broke through the paganism. He broke through with his ethical monotheism. And the world began to change. And then his son Isaac, Yitzchak, continued this. So Abraham drew the presence of God back from seven to six. And Isaac from heaven six to heaven Five and his son Jacob from five to four. And so it was until Moses, Moshe was number seven. And he brought the presence of God back on earth. And at that time, it rested in the work of man's hands. It rested in the holy temple where there were revealed miracles on a daily basis where physical and spiritual did not conflict, where God's presence, God's holiness, God's blessings were revealed. And when we talk about these numbers one to seven, let's go back to that original 1950 when the publication came out called Bossi Lagani and suddenly the sixth Rebbe passed away. What was going to happen is 
that our Rebbe would take on the mantle of leadership. And it was on the first anniversary of death, the first Yorzeit, that he expounded on this incredible concept of the seventh generation. And he explained, what does it mean to be in the seventh generation? And he explained that we have the power to bring God's revealed presence back to earth. We can bring the Shekhinah down. And so it was on the first yard site that the Rebbe came down at a Fabrengen, at a Hasidic gathering, to sit with the people and talk to the people and share words of Torah. And ultimately to expound on this very special Hasidic discourse and to set out the plan, the mission statement for the seventh generation. He spoke to the seventh generation, that's us. He said, you're not a number seven because you worked for it, you chose it, you deserve it. Maybe you don't even want it. But you're here because by divine providence, God put you into the seventh generation. And all sevenths are cherished. All sevenths are given special gifts similar to the parable of the king who is able to be victorious on many, many fronts, but there's one particular enemy that he never manages to subdue. There's one war that he never wins. And finally, he decides this is it. And he goes to his treasure house and he orders that everything be taken out and distributed to the army, distributed to the soldiers. Empower them. Give them. Reward them. Energize them with everything they need to go forward and win the final battle. And so the previous Rebbe explained, that is what the seventh generation has been given, our generation, has been given incredible, incredible powers and gifts that no previous generation has. And that is why there has been an incredible, incredible revival of Yiddishkeit. And if we try, if we reach out, incredibly it works. If we just try, it actually takes root, it flowers, and it grows. The Rebbe addressed the seventh generation, and he said, let's take a lesson from Avraham Avinu from Abraham. Abraham addressed a pagan world. Echod hoya Avraham. He was different to everyone else. Everyone believed in idols. Everyone bowed down to King Nimrod. Everybody was stuck. Everybody was afraid to think for himself. And Avraham uplifted the generation. Vayikra Shom. Wherever he went, he called B'Shem Hashem Keel Oilam. He went around and he taught people God and world are one thing. And the Rebbe spoke and he explained that Avraham did whatever it took, wherever he came. He came to places where people knew nothing. They couldn't relate to this concept that there's a God in this world. 
as he says people didn't even know Aleph, Aleph base. And the Rebbe began to cry. And even in that place, he not only called, but as our sages say, don't just think that word is, and he called Vayikra Shamashem, B'Shem Hashem Kel Oilam. Read the word as Vayakri. He caused others to call, to shout, to believe, to continue his mission. He wasn't just a single voice. Ultimately, he worked, inspired, uplifted, nurtured people until they themselves began to do exactly as he had done with the same passion. How did he do it? He did it with love. He did it with hospitality. He did it in a way that people can really relate to it. We know Abraham opened, would set up a big tent in the desert and open doors on four sides. Everyone was welcome. They didn't ask you, where do you come from? What do you believe in? It was welcome. Come and eat something. You must be hungry. You must be thirsty. You must be tired. And Abraham and Sarah sat with the people, talked to the people, listened to the people. And thousands of people came to know God and came under the wings of the Shekhinah because of their efforts. And the Rebbe spoke this on that first anniversary. And he said, nobody must say I'm not up to the task. Nobody must say I can't do it. If God put you into the seventh generation, you can. That's why he put you here. You may not want to. You may not think you can. You may say, what do I know? But if God puts you into the seventh generation, you need to go out. You need to proclaim God's name. You need to reach out to others. How? With love. How? What you want for yourself. Make sure you give it to your brother. We all need to have our physical needs met. Your brother needs no less. But we all have spiritual needs. Your brother deserves no less. We are all children of God. We all deserve to feel that connection, that protection, that upliftment, that excitement, and a sense that we are in this world for a mission. We all deserve to be alive every day of our lives, knowing that just being in this world is the greatest privilege. And every moment, every second, every minute, every hour, we are changing the reality of all of creation. Just as I want to be connected, so does my brother. He may not remember that he wants to be connected or identify his restlessness, his depression, his involvement in physical pleasures as actually a thirst of the soul. But then it's up to me through friendship and example and sharing and teaching. I, who have learned the letter Aleph, and a man once came to the Rebbe and said, how do you expect me to do this? That ever asked him, do you know Aleph? In other words, do you know a little bit? Do you know the first stage? He said, yes. He said, go out and teach Aleph while you're studying bit. We have an obligation to keep studying. 
if we are not an example of what we talk about, at least partially, we're not going to inspire anybody else. So we need to keep growing and we need to keep doing. And our Rebbe began on that day. Although he was the most private of people, great sage, accomplished, we can't even use the word, accomplished Torah scholar. The Rebbe addressed everyone and said, you can all do it. I don't want people to think they can't. And the Rebbe was heard to say that if he had one quorum, a minion around him, he would be happy. Because whatever we have, even if it's a little bit, someone out there knows less, and we have an obligation to share it. There, but for the grace of God, go I. Why did God put me into a situation where I have been privileged to attend a Jewish day school, have been privileged with a mind that can think or a mouth that can speak, hands that can do, legs that can go? It's all because God expects me to fulfill the mission he has put upon me in partnership with him for which he has equipped me with the ability. I mustn't be lazy. I might have to study and prepare and get there. But the ability is definitely there. And the Rebbe ultimately went on to send out his emissaries throughout the world. Today there are more than 4,000 emissaries in every corner of the world, almost every corner. And they set up, interestingly, something called Chabad Houses. The Rebbe didn't want it to be just set up a shul or a yeshiva. Of course we need those. The main thing is the hospitality of Abraham and Sarah. A house, Chabad House, a place to come home to, a place to have your physical needs met, like Abraham and Sarah. Start with the known, and then you'll move to what seems to be the unknown. And no one should say I'm not qualified to do that. And, of course, there are so many books, so many websites. There's so much out there that we can just print and read, that we can educate ourselves and others with. And just like Abraham, the Rebbe said it won't be enough that you just all go out. But you must make others into emissaries as well. Like Abraham, don't just call in God's name. Cause others to call in God's name. The Avraham Avinu example. He was the first. He broke ground. He had the hardest job. We cannot compare ourselves to him. And the Rebbe said, a seven, like Moshe, Moses, our teacher, couldn't compare himself to Avraham. As our sages say, you can only be a seven if there was a six, five, four, three, two, one before you. We are sometimes midgets on the shoulders of giants, but the giants are there. We can rely on them. Not only that, but there's a beautiful teaching. What 
is Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, doing since he passed away? And our sages answer, just as down here, he stood and served the people, so too, up above, he continues to serve. For a shepherd never leaves his flock. He will never desert his flock. And the dream is being realized. You know, in November, the men gather in New York. It's called the Kinnas Hashluchim. The emissaries come together. And please God, next week, the women gather. And amazingly, three quarters of the emissaries there have actually gone out to take up their posts somewhere in the world post-1994 when the Rebbe passed away. Three quarters. Many of them have never seen the Rebbe, met the Rebbe, and an increasing number were born after the passing of the Rebbe. But truth remains. Truth is powerful. We are thirsty for truth. We gravitate toward truth. And the shluchim, the emissaries, continue to be passionate, studying the works of the Rebbe, remembering, strengthening each other, and the passion has not waned one bit. Indeed, we are living in momentous times, times of growth and change, times of incredible, incredible inspiration. There's no doubt that the Mashiach is very, very close. It is but for each one of us, as the Rebbe told the CNN reporter, to add in the realm of goodness and kindness. That's what the world is waiting for. And goodness and kindness means to do someone a favor, materially or spiritually. Both are essential. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. A good nerve. Shabbos, Mashi Lipsker. And we're talking about the work of the seventh generation. In the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, we know that Moshe was the seventh in a line from Abraham, Avraham Avinu, and that our generation has been alluded to as a seventh generation, the generation that will bring God's presence back down to earth. There were three women who had a profound influence on our world. One was the grandmother of the previous Rebbe, the Rebetzin Rivka, for whom the very special Hasidic discourse, Bossi Lagani, was actually penned by the previous Rebbe before his passing. The grandmother from whom he learned so much, recorded so much family and Hasidic history. The other one was the Rebbe Sinsterna Sara, the previous Rebbe's mother. She was the wife of the fifth Rebbe. And the third was the Rebbe Chaya Mushka, the daughter of the previous Rebbe, the wife of our Rebbe. So the grandmother and the mother and the wife. Amazingly, 
all of them passed away in this month that we are in now, in the month of Shvat, one on the 10th, one on the 13th, and one on the 22nd. And when the previous Rebbe wrote his Hasidic discourse, it was actually to be studied not only on the 10th of Shvat, which was the 36th yard site of his grandmother, but on the 13th of Shvat, which was the 8th yard site of his mother. And then in 1988, our Rebbetson passed away. Our Rebbe never referred to himself as the Rebbe. To his last talk, he spoke of his father-in-law, the sixth Rebbe, of his father-in-law, his mentor, his father-in-law, his Rebbe, as the Rebbe, Nesi Doireinu, the leader of our generation. And he always spoke of his wife as the daughter of the Rebbe, the daughter of Nasi Daidenu. What is a Nasi? We find that Moshe Rabbeinu was called a Nasi. Now we have something called Manhig, a leader, Rebbe, a teacher, Rosh Hashiva, the head of an entire group of scholars, the head of a yeshiva. But a Nasi is different. Moshe Rabbeinu, our, our Torah tells us, was the Nasi. And Rashi comments, Hanasi hu hakoyl. The Nasi incorporates, takes responsibility for, cares about the entire generation. Moshe Rabbeinu cared about the smallest lamb, which is why God said, if you so, show such compassion on a lamb, you are the right leader for my people. You will have compassion, feeling, and show care and nurture even someone who is small or seems to be small. Each one of the people, not only in the Jewish nation, but in the world, whom the Rebbe could reach with his message of becoming reconnected to God, each one remembers with incredible love and clarity the wisdom, the insight, the love. Anyone who's been touched by the Rebbe or heard of the Rebbe has to be amazed. Who was this person? Here was a person who cared not only for the people in his community, but for the world. Classic story, and we have shared it. And the story goes that, and it was shared by the senator, um, and the politician came to the Rebbe, and he wanted, obviously, to get votes from the community. So this was one of the calls that he he made, came into the Rebbe and uh, was very impressed. He was a very, very wise and insightful man. And he thought, this man is different, different to all the other heads of community I've met, very impressed. And right before he left, the Rebbe said, may I ask you for a favor? So he thought, uh-oh, just like the others, 
All they want is like to improve the lot of their flock. Okay, well, what could he say? And he turned around and he said to him, there's a group of people here in New York who are hardworking and humble. They're immigrants, but they don't know, they don't realize all their rights, all their privileges. So the politician thought, yeah, here we go, he's going to talk about the Hasidim. And then the Rebbe said, it's the people in Chinatown. These people need attention. And he went away blown, blown away. In other words, there was care and concern and compassion and action to help anyone and everyone to bring upliftment. If you have something to share, if you can help someone else, make sure that you do it. Moshe Rabbeinu cared about the lamb. Moshe Rabbeinu cared about everyone, each and every one. And that's what we find with the Rebbe. And that's our job as well. We are the seventh generation. The mission is upon us to complete. How? Through love. But where do we get the strength to sustain ourselves? We find a message in this week's Parsha, a beautiful message. The Parsha begins that when Pharaoh sent the Jewish people out of Egypt, Moshe Rabbeinu took with him the bones, the remains, the casket of Joseph. Vayihi b'shalach paroi es what was Moshe doing when everyone was hurrying to go out? And Moshe took the atzmois, translated as bone, the bones of Joseph with him. Of course, we need some Hasidic insight to understand. The Hebrew word etzem, bone, also means essence. The etzem of something is its essence. The Jewish nation is about to leave 210 years of living in Egypt. Many of them back-breaking labor, slaving. And they're now about to embark on a journey through a desert. The desert is barren. It's dangerous. It's an empty place. It's a scary place. But that's just a reflection of the spiritual desolation of a desert. Everything in this world is a reflection of its true essence. In order to be able to survive that journey, Moshe had to be sure. Moshe had to ensure that the people had some sort of protection. Taking the casket, the bones of Yosef, indicated that they would be accompanied by an idea, by the essence and the spirit of Yosef Hatzadik. What was his essence? Well, it's expressed in his name. When his mother Rachel named him, she gave him a name that also revealed his essence. Yosef means may he add. On a 
simple level, when he was born, Rachel prayed, May Hashem add for me another son. But inside that prayer, May Hashem add for me another son, is included the desire to welcome a Jew who has wandered far from the fold to welcome him back. May Hashem add for me a son. It also means, in a more general sense, the desire that we transform everything in this world, all that seems so mundane, into a vehicle for holiness. Because that's what it was originally intended to be and has the potential to be. Everything in our lives, our relationships, the food we eat, the clothing we wear, the homes we build, the way we decorate our homes, everything, everything was created by God. And everything has inherent holiness and needs to be used, needs to be refined, needs to be uplifted by using it for the right purpose. So it's that desire that Yosef has to make everything one with God, to transform all the mundane reality into a vehicle for holiness, food, to nurture, holy food, kosher food, shared food, hospitality, money, to take care of your family, money, to take care of the poor, clothing, to wear, to show dignity, to frame the body so that it can show that there's a soul in that body, everything in order to reveal the godliness. We've been journeying in Golos, in exile, for thousands of years. And that's like traveling through a dangerous, empty desert. In order to be sustained during these periods of spiritual desolation, we have to take our cue from the essence of Yosef, Joseph's essence. If we want to remain strong, we have to care about others. If we want our connection to God, not only to remain intact, but to grow and bring us joy, we have to strive to bring even the most distant lamb, the most rebellious individual, back to the fold. Essentially like Avraham, essentially to show them that they too are truly Hashem's cherished children. And if we remain focused and true to this objective, we are assured that we will succeed. For when Rachel named Yosef, she said, Yosef Hashem li beinacher. May God add another son to me. We're not on our own. When we partner with Hashem, we are assured of success. And so interesting to point out that the previous Rebbe passed away during this time. And in the opening of this week's Parsha, his name is alluded to because his name was Joseph. And that was his life's work. His life's work 
was to bring others back to who they really are. In fact, when Moshe took the bones of Yosef with him, we find with our Rebbe, he never called himself Rebbe. Essentially, he walked, as it were, always in the shadow of his predecessor. This is a time of tremendous merit. This is a time of greatness. This is a time of opportunity. May we all be inspired, inspired to know that we have the ability, we have the blessing, we have the mission, and if you have the mission, you have been equipped with all the treasures that you need, even if you don't realize that you do. May we go into Shabbos knowing that from this Shabbos, which is also called Shabbat Shira, the Shabbos of song, that we have a great song within us to sing and people are attracted to the joy, the meaningful message, and they find within their hearts as well a reciprocal song, a reciprocal message. May we do what we are here to do and inspire others to do the same. Good Shabbos.